You ready to get going? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and am uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Jessica Wellington. Jessica is a comic writer, actor, podcaster, veteran, and generally amazing human. Jessica has been all over your TV with TVs and theaters. You've seen her. She's been on NBC's Good Girls, Netflix's Grace and Frankie, and The Mule with the lovely Clint Eastwood. She has longer credits than that, but that's all we could fit into this intro. She also co-hosts a hilarious podcast called The Liars Club with the absolutely lovely Felicia Michaels. I'm going to have her tell you about that. I better know Jessica from her being one of the only kind and aware door people at the comedy store. Yes, I said it. Yes, that's on record. I don't care. So tell us, Jessica, what got you into comedy? How much fun was Grace and Frankie? Tell us about Clint Eastwood. Like, go forth. Okay. Well, we're going to have to definitely dive into the nice, one of the nice people at the uh, comedy store, mm-hmm. but we will get to do that later, but that definitely was funny. Uh, <laughs> but true. I got into comedy. You know, honestly, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from a small town. I had no idea how you got started into anything like this. I always liked being funny. My dad was a narcissist, so I always picked on his wives. That just came to uh, <laughs> why that. Like, I just realized that what a narcissist and all this is for the for real, for real. So looking back on my past, I was, I kind of feel bad for picking on a lot of his ex-wives now. But at the time, <laughs> it was just fun. So I thought, I thought we were just friendly picking. So I went in the Air Force, actually. Within six years, when I got out, I went to Sacramento to uh, help a friend. And when I got there, you know, in the military, they had given us, like, free tickets. Like, the first comedy show I ever went to was Dennis Miller in Las Vegas. So, and I cringe when I say this, but I actually heckled. I had no idea. (laughs) You heckled Dennis Miller? I did. I was way up in the balcony. Like nobody knew, but I was just a disruption to the people up there. (laughs) (laughs) Even better, even better. (laughs) But I didn't know at the time, but it was because obviously like I wanted to be a part of the show. Like I wanted a piece of it and didn't know how you go about it. And then I went to looked up a comedy club in Sacramento just to go to for fun went there and realized they had an open mic and improv classes and I started with improv classes first and then I did an open mic and I never looked back like this was I was like this is where I belong now I think that um because we've had a few comics on here who started in in improv and have said you know gross I you know I didn't want to lean in on someone else and if the scene started failing and it was their fault I was mad but I, as an improviser and not a comic, feel the other way. I think drowning on by yourself on stage is about the most terrifying thing I can imagine. So how do you think that you're wired one way or the other? Or was it just attractive to you that you didn't have to lean on anybody else if something happened? I think you're necessarily wired one way or another. Uh, I like both. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I did all iOS in uh, L.A. I did uh, all the way up to 301 or yeah, in, at UCB. I like it. It definitely works a different muscle. You do have to lean on other people. I do. The only thing that got me about improv, it's almost 
the best of both worlds. But improv, the people are. Can I cuss on here? Yes, absolutely. Are so fucking nice <laughs> that it's almost like it's irritating. You know, <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have stand up where they can be such douchebags that it's fucking irritating. So a lot of times, you know, you do both worlds. It kind of balances you out. But when you're on stage alone, and I know bombing alone, yes, must be it's hell. We do it all the time. But when you succeed, it's all your own. It's even better. I get, I've not heard it described like that. That's fair. That that sort of because the high is higher, which is yeah, yeah. That's I could see that being cool. But God, that bombing girl. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> okay. It happens. Um, you're gonna bomb the improv troupe too. Yeah, but then you can blame them. You can be like, oh, that, that was Jeff. That was his fucking fault. Like, I, I carried that scene. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back. So so you were, what, what, why did you go to the military? Was that like a, just to get out of North Carolina? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I didn't have great grades. I kind of was in and out of school. Um, I didn't feel like I had a lot of options. We didn't have any money. So the military seemed like the best course of action and, I mean, I, I was ready to leave the house. Once I left the home, I, I never, I've never moved back to like in the house or anything like that. Oh, good for you. Family. Okay. And then, so get us up to date. So, so you, so you go through those various programs in LA, you're, when did you decide? Because I feel like there's a moment where you kind of have to decide you're either going full bore in comedy or you'll work the improv circuit and try to make a career happen that way. I think it's really hard to do both. So when did you choose okay, comedy, that's it. Like I'm full hardcore going because Jessica is a member or was a member of the door person program at the comedy store, which is insanely competitive to get into. And you have to be vetted and you have to have so many hours on stage and people have to basically endorse you. It's just hell. And she's one of the only females in that program. So you were the first. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. That is lovely. I should have put that in her bio. I don't do good research. (laughs) So how did you, I mean, so you were the first. So so tell us about that trajectory of choosing comedy and then going full bore and then getting picked. Uh, choosing, I, I don't know. I've always felt like I kind of, I miss improv a lot. I think it keep, like I said, it does keep another uh, muscle going. It's always something I want to get back into and something I always kind of fall back into or whatnot. It was just easier, I guess, in the beginning to infiltrate the improv world because y'all are so damn nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's a read. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Okay, so we were nice to you. We bring you in, and then you're like, I want to go get beat up in comedy. Yeah, because you know, when I first went to LA, I I was a door guy at iOS before I was anywhere. I started off there. I was like one of the only women too. They let actually work the front front door. And I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) Just because I'm a bigger girl. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they do that in LA. That's kind of bullshit. But okay, so so you work that door, and then you're, then you transition. Right. And then you kind of you, you get to learn who does improv and stand up because there are a lot of those. So you then you know you you start to see. And I was so naive when I moved to LA from Sacramento. I mean, I had plans in my head. They're like, "Why do you want to move to LA?" I was like, "Well, I want to be on TV. I want to do comedy. I'll probably get like a, a part time job or something at the comedy store. It'll be great." had no idea how hard it really was going to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I did set my goals and I did obtain them. So that's a good thing. I don't know. I, you say, how did I choose comedy? I felt like no matter which direction I took, I've always been a comedian. 
and to me it's comedy. As long as I'm making people laugh, however I'm doing it, even when I was in the Clint Eastwood movie, I thought like that was the only funny moment in the movie that people actually laughed out loud. I was in the theater and they laughed and I was like, that's me, that's me. Oh, that had to feel so unbelievable. That That's awesome. So you, yeah. so what made you want to do the door person program at the comedy store then? Like, how'd you transition over there? Well, like I said, I had that set in my mind as something I wanted to do when I went down there. And then when I saw how exclusive it was and then they didn't hire females, I was like, well, this makes me want it more. So, you know, I started helping a lady who shall not be named. But she's not a nice person at the comedy store. Uh, work at her show. This she, is a, has, yeah. she comes up all the time and I'm so glad no one wants to name her. It makes me so happy because I can't, she made my life fucking hell. So yes, girl. Yes. And I love yeah. that. I know exactly who you're talking about. Keep going. Yeah. yeah let's not give her any more attention. than No. Nope. So <laughs> I'm helping her though upstairs on her show to get stage time, obviously at the comedy store. So whatever I got to do. So I'm helping her out. And she has me down front because I'm good with people, making sure that I'm directing them that they're going to the right room because she always is afraid somebody's stealing her feet. So, <laughs> okay. So I'm down there. And uh, one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start checking IDs. I'm just going to do it. So I started doing it because they got used to me being out there. So it was kind of like I worked there, but not really, you know? So I just started checking IDs and letting people in. And they let me do it. And I was like, okay, now, eventually you guys are going to have to give me a job. <laughs> you have to pay me for this pleasure. Excuse me. <laughs> right. And they did. Eric saw me. Curtis saw me. So that kind of got me in the door. And so then you, they see you doing that. How long until they're like, hey, you know, like, did they want to hire you with security? And you were like, no, 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 ma'am. I will be doing the door person program. Because there's a shitload of jobs there. So you could have done, you know, you didn't have to do the door person program. So how'd you get that? Well, I think they knew. I think they knew as a comedian, you absolutely, you want to be a part of the, the door position. And they saw me on stage. You know, that was the beauty of working for Lady That Shall Not Be Named <laughs> up in the belly room because. <laughs> dead. I'm so dead. I love it. <laughs> because they got to see me on stage, though. So they got to see that I was funny, too. And they were like, oh, we like her. Did they make it a big deal that you were the only female to, or the first female to be uh, hired in that regard? Not really. I thought maybe I'd get a little something, something in the comedy store documentary. Did not. <laughs> what? Are you suggesting it's a boys club and they don't really care about women? That's not. You didn't say that, but <laughs> I said it. I mean, I think we're doing better yes, now. That's right. I think it was deep seated tradition that needed to be broken. That's right. And since then, there have been a couple other door females that have been hired into the program. There have. You paved the way. Okay, so you start doing that. Now, did you get representation to get the credits, the lots of credits that you have? Or did you get that stuff on your own? How did you, you know, did, was it because of the store you got seen? Or what's the... Let me tell you about the store never hasn't really gotten me seen for movie stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> But um, I kind of got spoiled because when I got to L.A., the first movie I ever auditioned for, I got it. That'll get and you. As much, yeah, as much as I loved it and it was fun and I enjoyed it, I was horrible. Yeah, I wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was like, Why did they cut me out of that? Why did they cut me out? Uh. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I'm actually bad at this. Okay, got it. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that kind of gave me a taste for it, and I definitely wanted more. Did I, I didn't get an agent for a while. Actually, you know, iOS is the one that got me my SAG because they needed people to work. Did you, did you ever see the show, You're the Worst? Yeah. So I got to do featured background on that, playing an improviser. Amazing. And I was right next to the girl, and they had us on stage and all of that. So that's how, and we did three days of that. So three days of featured background, you SAG card. Yep, that's how you get tapped hardly into SAG. Yep, that's amazing. Right. So that's how, actually, iOS is the one. So maybe, you know, that was smart of me to play both worlds. Yes, I would agree with that. And then I got an agent. My first agent was in... Um, Atlanta, which I still have her. <clears throat> She's the one that got me. I was actually on the road and I was doing guest set in Dallas with Maz Jabrani when I got the audition for The Mule. And so I had to tape it. My my agent does not take like self-tape. You have to go have it done self-tape. You know, like have it professionally. Wow. Go to one of the places. So I went somewhere in Dallas to do that. And the guy's super nice. Uh, we tape it, and then I, I book it right off the tape. Damn! You got angels around you. This is a career you're meant to have. My God. <laughs> okay. Oh, Audience, what Jessica is describing is absolutely an anomaly. Like, everything she's describing, making it sound so easy. Like, I'm glad it was easy for you, but my God. <laughs> like, you have angels around you. Okay, cool. So you book <laughs> that, and then and then you're, then you're, like, off to the races. So then there's that, and then I got a... I got on with Aqua in LA and they're the one that got me. The next one was Grace and Frankie. So I auditioned for that. Uh, the casting director, I could tell she liked me and they liked my look and I, I had a good feeling about it. And, uh, and yeah, I wanted it really bad. because It was actually one of those shows where it was like, Oh my God, I've watched all of these. Mm. How much would I love to be on this show? And it's got, you know, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Oh my God. And then I got the, I got it. It was, that was so fun. Like they were amazing. I thought Lily Tomlin and I were going to like kind of bond because we got the comedy background and everything, but somehow it got to, cause I originally my character was supposed to be selling drugs and then they were like, Oh, this is too rough for this show. So they had me dealing in SIM cards. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay. But something about drugs came up, and I'm kind of so used to it now. But I was like, "Oh yeah, my mom's a crackhead. This is this is how it would go." <laughs> and Jane was like, "What? Oh my God. <laughs> like, poor baby!" And you're like, "Oh girl, I'm we're past it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, it's all good. People got it way worse than I do. I'm like, I'm just happy to be here. And like, this is great." And she ended up leaving that day. She like gave me a big hug and all this, and she was super sweet. But I was like, "You don't have to do this because my mom's a crackhead." <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to feel sorry for me like i'm good <laughs> oh that's hilarious um so you have all these positive experiences and the whole time because i remember when you were shooting that stuff you were at the comedy store still working so yeah. so you would go daytime shoot and then you'd come work at night so why did you feel like because you were on tv i know a lot of people that are like well fuck it i got what i needed to and they usually quit why stay in the door person program when you were on TV? I don't feel like I got it. Like, I was on a nice little roll. Bingo. I mean, right after that, then I did, you remember me booking Good Girls, which I was super excited for. And I only had one line in there, but it ended up being really cool because I was in that opening scene. 
for the episode. And then I had a little, another little scene where I had my line, uh, which was really cool. But I don't, I don't feel like that's enough. That's right. Or anything like I don't really mean shit. I tell people here, I got credits. I mean, it does give me a little legitimacy. Like, oh, she's been in the business. She's been doing it. But people, even people like uh, I date here, they're like, I don't understand. You're doing shows for 50 bucks. Like you, what are you doing? I'm like, I need to do comedy for what? I need to be on stage. And I can't dictate what I get paid. It is what it is. Like, I'm just not, I don't feel like it's enough. It's just not. I think there's a common misconception too, and um, not our audience. Our audience is very smart because I lecture about this all the time. But I think once people see you on TV or in a movie, they just think, oh, the hustle's over. There went the grind. You nailed it. You know, off to the races with you. And that's like after every shoot, you are then unemployed again. Like you just are. And that's true for A-list stars. And that's true for, you know, people like me. And I think that that's a hard thing for people to understand to, to your point saying the people that you're dating are like, I don't get it. Why would you do a $50 show? And it's like, cause, cause the hustle's not over. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I want to still be in the door guy position. I mean, I even, I, I don't even know if you can count it. I don't necessarily count it, but I did a special. The only special I've ever done was for vet TV. Oh wow. It was like a 15 minute thing. Because they had a, a bunch of us, like five veterans, do it. And it was so much fun. But even then, you think, okay, this is going to pop. This is going to get me. It's going to get me somewhere. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, eh, oh. <laughs> no. Like, oh. where are their social media followers? <laughs> I get it. Okay, so I want to go quickly, real quickly, back to the Liars Club. Could you just uh, explain? Or actually, you know what? We'll do that at the end. Okay, so let's talk about why you're the only or one of the only nice door people at the comedy store. Like, because you can offer a perspective that I obviously don't have. When I was a server there, it was it always felt like we were getting shit on. But you can offer a perspective of how you all also got shit on because servers would be terrible to you all too so did you ever were you ever on the receiving end of servers like getting in your face and being shitty no not that i really anything that pops out server wise because i think because i was a nice person i kind of got i I didn't have a problem with the servers really even the ones that people hated the most i got along with (laughs) (laughs) so you're like i don't get this yeah like we can all get along like Mm -hmm. i know what they want they know what we want we're all here after the same things, you know, you can't get mad at somebody like a server. They don't understand stand up necessarily. That's not their goal. Their goal is to be there and make some money, maybe meet somebody because they do want to be in the entertainment industry. They don't want to be a stand up. Most of them. The only time I ever really had problems was with other door guys. So they, I was going to ask you that. So were, were they, do you think it's because you were the first female or do you think it's just because they had attitude or what do you think it was? I think that they had an attitude and they might have a problem with women in general. Uh, <laughs> this particular person that shall not be named either. Weird. I, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. <laughs> really? No idea. <laughs> not a clue. <laughs> but, you know, he was just a D-bag and I told him. I was like, look, we're here. I told him that. I was like, we're here for the same thing. Like, why, why are we not helping one another or at least getting along? You know, because I'm not going anywhere. You can try. I'm not fucking going anywhere. You can try to scare me however you want and hurt me, but I'm not going. 
So get us up to today. So are you, uh, I know you're on tour right now. Are you going to eventually go back to LA? Are you, what's your, what's the plan for what post COVID world? I'm hoping I talked to Richie and I was like, do I still got my job <laughs> at the comic store? And he was like, yeah. So, and I'm already in, you got the immunization. So I, I would like to go back as soon as I can get my mind straight and get my money right. And so then, um, all right, well, do you, let's jump. Yeah. You know what, everybody, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. Okay, we are back, and now it is time to move on to the entrees. Okay, what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out of your money? Okay, where the government was taking money out. My first legal job was at Taco Bell. Amazing. What did you do at Taco Bell? I ran the register and made tacos. Which one was worse? Uh, probably both are pretty bad. Yeah. It wasn't great. I didn't hate it. But then they tried to say I was stealing money or something. And I'd only worked there for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, this is crap. I was like, it's probably you that's taking money. So I, my dad came down there and threw a fit and was like, fuck you guys. And then I just, yeah, I quit after two weeks. So was, because I've, I've mentioned how I think fast food work is some of the hardest work ever just because of the repetition and how shit on you anyone who works in fast food is it's like considered like the lowest of the totem poles of customer service which is insane because it's such it's a job where you have to keep yourself engaged so did, yeah so i imagine like even though you're only there two weeks like when you were making tacos did you want to kind of go crazy because it was the same thing over and over yeah because then you have people too that drive up in like a van and they're like we want 30 soft tacos 30 hard shell and you're like oh my God, <laughs> make two without tomatoes. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. And all right. What was, how many customer service jobs have you had? Do you, do you know the number offhand? I don't know about a number, but I've had a, I worked at Dairy Queen for a short time. I worked at Waffle House. I worked at Winn-Dixie or UPS Freight. I was a wedding DJ in Vegas. Um, seriously <laughs> writing okay uh, i'm doing in-home care right now which is something new come on repetitive it's very repetitive oh yeah uh in-home care for for um elderly people or for like he is 55 but he is like non-verbal multiple seizures uh, developmentally bless him that's really taxing how are you staying up emotionally well, he's great actually i don't mind working with him it's his mom. Shocking. Pain in the ass. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, right now you're back. You're in North Carolina as we speak? Yes. When did you go back there? Uh, like September. Oh, okay. So you waited a little bit. All right. Oh, and you, yeah. did you get rid of your apartment in LA? That's Had to. You know, she went up on the rent because it was technically a townhouse. So, uh, or classified as a townhome. So it wasn't protected under the apartment thing. Fuck so she you. went up on the I know. I was like, are you serious? I hope it's still vacant. That's shitty. That's really shitty. Okay, so you have, so Taco Bell, Dairy Queen, Winn-Dixie, UPS, you were a wedding DJ, which we are getting back to. Uh, You're doing in-home care now. So what would you, could you ballpark a number? Would you say like 20? Sure. Because I've done, yeah. Does that sound? Okay. Because I consider being a door person, customer service, absolutely. Your customer interfacing, your, your, it's. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Of all of your customer service jobs, which was your favorite? Actually, 
I really enjoyed working at Winn-Dixie, the grocery store. Okay, why? I don't know. I was really good at it. I was fast, and I got people in and out of there, and I liked the pace of it. Made the day go by quick. Were you a bagger, like, at the at the register? What was your deal? I was a cashier, which we bagged, too. Oh, okay. We, you know, if we had a bagger, they helped, but we also did it. And you liked that the most? I, I did. I really liked that job for some reason how long were you there a couple of years that's the one i ended up sticking with out of in high school so i'd say like three years you're the and second I moved up, you know, two maybe two years i moved up to a front end manager while i was in high school which was fun too you're so the did like Western and- you're the second guest we've had on who worked at a grocery store during high school and absolutely loved it and I asked that guest too, what up, Ethan? How in the world were you able to maintain that schedule? I know you said you were kind of dipping in and out of school, but how did you maintain that schedule? Because that's that's hard work and to be in school, that feels hard. I've always worked. I enjoy working. I mean, I, I was the one too that like if it snowed in and they were like, oh, who can come to work? Oh my God. I'll be like, I'm there. I'll spend all day and make all that money. You know, like nobody else is there. Count me in. Uh, holidays, like, yeah, I'm there. Maybe time and a half, whatever. Let's do it. I, I just enjoyed working. I enjoyed being away from my house any moment that I could. But I've I've always, that was something at least my dad drilled in was like, you have to work. Oh, it's a gift. I mean, there's freedom in that. Because even in the military, that's when I got a part-time job working at UPS Freight. That's when I ended up being the wedding DJ. This was all while in the Air Force. How? I don't know sometimes, honestly, because we would work 10-hour day, 12-hour days, and then I would go directly from there to UPS. Holy God. So you just don't like sleep. That's like not your thing. I love sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you were just willing to sacrifice it. Okay. What yeah. was your least favorite of all of your customer service jobs? Probably the Waffle House. Oh, that's a hard place to work. Why? Because... I worked second shift for one and in North Carolina, it's not a law that you have to pay waitresses minimum wage. Oh, is it two thirteen? Yeah. I made like, I think it was like, because I was second shift and it wasn't as busy. We had a little higher pay, which was, I think like $2 and 40 cents. Oh my God. Well, you won the lottery girl. (laughs) I know. Thanks for giving me that little extra. I don't know how I survived. And it was a slow shift. So then, like, we would have one guy come in. He came in all the time. He would come in. He would play. She thinks our tractor sexy on the jukebox. What up, Kenny? He would order a cup of coffee. (laughs) And he wanted to talk to you for an hour and leave you a dollar. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, I'm not giving you free therapy for a dollar. Like, no, ma'am. And those slow shifts are when you get trapped. Those in-between serving shifts are the actual worst. I had a bartending in-between shift, and it was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to end up having to talk to this, you know, these two people for seven hours. Like, And to be honest, I'm not a great server. Why? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's the, I wasn't good with the, give me hash browns, fried, smothered, covered. What, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah, like, well, just can I say with cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Can you just make it easy on all of us and just say with cheese? Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. So waffle I would house. Like it with some ham and cheese, please, and onions. <laughs> That's it. That's all you gotta say. It's gotta be. It can be easy. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I have had a friend of mine who I've not had on the podcast worked at Waffle House and said there's something specific about the smell in that she now, whenever she smells hash browns, she gets like nauseous. Did you experience funkiness with it? I know that they're all sort of different, but like, did you, was there anything about the smell there that got to you? I don't know. Back when I was there, we could smoke in the back break room. Holy so. God. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. All right. Like during the day we could go, we would go outside, but third shift because it was so dangerous they made you smoke inside what part of town was that one in it's goldsboro north carolina okay but you were gonna say you don't remember smell stuff Uh, i don't remember like a smell that okay would trigger me i get why that was your least favorite uh what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock weirdest thing i've done while on the clock you've been asked to do not weirdest thing like you personally have chosen to do i'm not trying to get you in trouble just the weirdest thing you've been asked to do I don't know, but I do have a fun story. But go for it. Tell us. So whenever, and I, I especially in North Carolina here, because I'm like, if I get stuck here, you guys are going to have to listen to these stories forever because it's all I'm going to have. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> uh, so I was working the belly room one night. And so I'm up there. Chappelle is on stage. He's working on that special that he did in the belly room. And, and you know, he lights up a cigarette on stage. And we can allow that because it's like, a performance thing, right? So he likes a cigarette. Well, Busta Rhymes is standing right in front of me. And, you know, like Busta today is fucking thick. Jacked. Jack, cute neck is just broken wide, right? <laughs> I even made a joke because, you know, I was heavy then. So I made a joke to Neil Brand, who was standing right there. And I was like, look, we got the same neck. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. And then, uh, but... So Buster Rhymes sees that he and he lights up a cigarette right in front of me. So then I tap him on the sh- shoulder very politely. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, but you cannot smoke in here. And he turned around and he grabbed me by my shoulder. Ooh. Yeah. And he looked at me, just stared me dead in the eye. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. So I just told Buster Rhymes that he can't smoke in here. And he stared at me for a good minute, it felt like. It felt like forever. And then he just kissed me. And then he left. And I was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) That may be the best answer we've gotten on this podcast in a ton of episodes. That's impressive as fuck. Uh, And what a great response on his part. I'm just going to put my mouth on your mouth and then I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Like what? Like you said, I thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah, that wins. That absolutely wins. Can you think of any other thing? Any weird other incidents? I feel like they always happen at the comedy store. It's it's a weird place. They do. There's so many weird things that happen in the comedy store. Have you ever had like... I would, no, no, no. What were you going to ask? Like, pu- like maybe kicking someone out or something. I find that that's when the door people get into shitty situations is when you're asked to do right. that. Well, sometimes being nice, and I wasn't always nice, but I was mostly nice at the door. But um, you try to help people, you know, like I had a group of people trying to get in. Well, they didn't have tickets. I think it was like a Rogan night. You know, but I'm trying my hardest. I'm like, stand, you know, stand in this, this line. I was really trying to get them in, like for real. And then I, I ended up, it could, didn't, it didn't happen. We couldn't get them in. There just wasn't seats available. Well, then I go and look on the Yelp page and they're like, the fucking fat bitch with pink hair wouldn't let us in. And we waited and I was like, fuck you guys. Cause I was trying to help you. That makes me that that kind of shit makes me fucking crazy, especially because everybody thinks that they're this warrior or this a bit like 
the fucking troll train of being able to write reviews online is, I mean, because people used to get fired over shit. Like, I don't know about it at the store, but like people, I mean, there was a bar that I worked at where they would print out Yelp reviews and they would say, if anything like this happens again, you're fired. They'd write you up for Yelp reviews. And it's like, so anybody can just come. Oh, it's a whole separate thing. It's horrible. Yes. Yes. It's not right. No, it's not. But you know, also to that note, I still get like, I forget who it was, but there was a girl that messaged me on Instagram and she was like, you know, I'll never forget you. You were so nice to me that night, but I went to the comedy store and you made me feel like a real badass for going by myself and <laughs> I'll never forget it. And I was like, you know, stuff like that's cool. Yeah. And that stuff matters. I wish. Yeah. So there is for as much negative there is that is positive. That's right. right. What's the weirdest in or sorry. No, we asked that. What incident made them ask to speak with your manager at any of your jobs? Did you have something that happened where they were like, Fuck you. Let me get your manager. Oh, not a lot. Yeah, you're nice. Right. Unless it was like, you know, trying to get in or something like that, they would ask. But honestly, there aren't any that pop out Okay. that somebody has asked for to see a manager. Have you ever been scared? So we can get, I want to know the the positives and the negatives of door guy stuff. Cause we brought that up earlier. What's like n- some negative things that happened because like, were you ever scared as a door person? Like, were you ever, did anything funky ever happen in that regard? Oh my God. Okay. How about this is at IO West, right? I am, we're, I'm the door guy there and we're closing up. So we have everything locked up, but we're closing up and cleaning. And then there's that club that was right next door. And this is right on Hollywood Boulevard. This club is next door. And these two guys are starting to fight. And we're kind of looking like, okay, they're getting into it verbally, right? And then all of a sudden, this guy pulls out a gun. And he points it to the ground and fires. Now, granted, he wasn't trying to hit nobody, just trying to scare them. But you also pointed it to the cement. Dumb fuck. Okay. Asphalt, you dumbass. So it, he fires it. And the bullet bounces. And we hear, poop on the door. And then come to find out right there. The bullet hit our door, made a little indent, and then landed right in front of it. Oh, my God. There's your bullet. And then, listen, this is crazy. On top of this, right? So my car is valeted because we that's all we really have there uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. So it's valeted. I go to finally leave and get my car. I get in my car. And then all of a sudden, this detective guy comes in and sits down. It's like, look, we can't have you move right now. And I'm like, dude, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excuse me, Mark. I have to go home. <laughs> and he said, the suspects are behind you right now in another vehicle. And we have them blocked in with your car. So we can't have you move. And I'm like, well, can I please get out of the car? <laughs> He's like, as soon as I can, I'll make that happen. Okay. Well, then I see them behind me. The cops come out and they draw their weapons to the car behind me and they're like get out of the car i'm like oh my god oh Oh my god was that the same night yes this was all that night that was the people that they were looking for so they do that and then finally he 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 whisked me out lets me go back into io and i was like thank god at least i feel better over here like i'm not trying to get shot you know yeah oh my god and so did they i mean did anything come of that where you had to be a witness or you got called to court or anything no, none of that. No, not for that. No. Okay. No, no. And I finally got to leave and go home. Didn't you want to quit after that? Like, that's the kind of shit where I'm like, I am never paid enough for you to be shooting near me. Like, I am not paid enough. Um, no. And maybe because it wasn't directed at us. Sure. Was that the scariest? Probably, that's pretty, that was pretty one of the scariest. Yeah, probably. 
Anything scary ever happen at the store? All the time. <laughs> I know. Yes. Please tell. People, yeah, people are scary. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, you know, there was all kinds of fights. I remember just people getting drunk and belligerent and being stupid. And I actually got hit on by a lot of women at the comedy store and they would come and be drunk and just flirting with me and, and trying to sit on my lap and touch me. And it was like, this is enough. Come on. Well, and that's her. Like, I think we forget that that's harassment. Like I don't, you don't identify as gay and they, and even if you did just because it's woman to woman doesn't mean that it's not, egregious and it's not harassment i don't right. you know i'm gonna be a buzzkill about that but that stuff makes me crazy that we just get a pass because like ah but it's just a woman it's like i don't care you don't get to just touch me <laughs> like, right and she's doing it enough that i'm uncomfortable now yeah like i've pushed people away okay that's enough thank you and then they keep coming back i'm like ah <laughs> that's oh that, <laughs> that makes me sense. alone did you have you ever told a customer to fuck off a customer mm-hmm. in any of your jobs Oh, I may have, but I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've told a customer to fuck off. What do you think it is then that makes, to go back to like the positive and negative for the door person stuff, why do you think other people are shitty to everyone and that you were able to maintain not being an asshole? Well, I had my bad days. Don't get me wrong. We so all did. Me too. Yeah, Same. Yeah. It would get to you. Um, what would get to you? Can you elaborate on that? Just. And it's weird because, you know, a lot of the, the interactions that I had, like, I didn't recognize Eliza when she came in and I asked for her ID and she got upset the first time. And But then I ended up opening for her. So it wasn't like the end of the world either. At least I wasn't a bitch about it. So it ended up being fine. I had a hard time. Like, I didn't recognize a lot of people. I remember I didn't recognize Too Short and he seemed pretty, up, like, annoyed by having to give me his ID. Uh, but he did it and he came in, you know, one douchebag was weird. You know, scary spice. Yeah. She would come in and then she would come in with her husband a lot, or he would just come in by himself. Uh, he was kind of a douche. I've heard that actually. Oh, no. I never saw him there, okay. but I heard that a lot about him. Right. And I guess a lot of the rich people that just thought they were somebody trying to get in. It's like, I don't care who you are or what, how much money you got. Like I'm not letting you in. I remember one time you came, I think I was back at the server well, just like trying my drinks or whatever. And you were just back there, like just taking a break or I don't know, you were walking through or something. And there was, I forget who it was, some big celebrity. I cannot remember who it was. It wasn't too short and it wasn't Eliza. I forget who it was, but someone had seen you like ask that person for their ID or something. And one of the servers was like, Oh my, I wish I could remember who it was. But one of the servers was like, Oh my God, Jessica, like you asked so-and-so for their ID and you were like, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't recognize your face. Show me your ID. And I was like, yes, like, yes. And you weren't a bitch about it. You were just like, right. Everybody has to show their ID. Like, that's just the way it is. And I was like, Oh, I like her. And that's, and that's kind of was ended up being my blanket rule. It's just like, just everybody show me your ID. Mm-hmm. Then we don't have to pick all you, you, blue, blue, just everybody. Because it's also like you're not above the law. I know that when you reach a certain status, you, you know, you're encouraged to believe that. But sorry, you know, it comes back on me if you're not 21 or especially when celebrities like the big, big people that would bring guests and be like there with me. And it's like that girl is maybe 16. Like she she is not 18 and she's certainly not 21. So well, I'll say that I won't say who, but one of the, they don't work there anymore. So it's fine. But, you know, a certain comedian that was. Big that would come in with a 
mm-hmm. obviously underage girlfriend. Yes. And he let it slide. I was like, okay, fine. As long as it's not on me, I don't want anything to do with it. Would you get clear? Like, I, I, I want no part of this. Like, would you say that? Uh, I would say, okay, it's your call. It's you. That's on you. Okay. Cause, uh, cause uh, yeah, let's not push on that one. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yep. We're going to leave it. <laughs> okay. And why, like when you came there as a, as a door person, did you come in nice and positive and trying to sort of be inclusive and, and you got shut out or were, was there, did you feel like you were embraced? Um, for the most part, I think I was embraced. I think the servers were actually really nice to me to begin with, believe it or not, because I think I was nice to them. Yes. And I didn't have like this rivalry with them like the other door guys. I didn't think it should be like that because mm-hmm. um, we all work there. Like, let's come on. But um, I think overall, but there was a time when I first started, there was this guy, I was working the belly room. I was new. I was like one of my first nights probably on my own in the belly room. And there was this comedian that was going to go up and I'd, he had two girls that had come in. Well, I realized, you know, they had started like heckling and just being disruptive and loud. So I went over there and I was like, oh, you guys got to, you know, hold it down. And then they, they kept up. And then I was like, you know, I realized I hadn't given them the spiel and somehow I had missed them. So I was like, hey, I didn't have a chance to tell you guys, just let you know, you know, it's a two drink minimum per person, no heckling, make sure your phone's on silent, you know, the whole thing that we do. And then they started being heckling again to the host. And I was like, okay, you have to stop. Well, then the guy, the comedian that was with him sat down and he started heckling with them to the comedian on stage and telling them that, uh, who's this fat bitch? <gasps> Who the fuck is she? Uh, and all of this. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? And he just kept calling me names and everything to the, to the host. And I went and got Ruben. I was like, Ruben, there, what the fuck? We, we, and I was calling security. He's like, please come handle this. Well, then I'm listening at the top of the stairs and Ruben's talking to him. And Ruben is too fucking nice for a security guy. Love him. Too nice. And he was, you know, I was hearing him say, you know, he's come, she's coming and harassing the people I'm with and telling them they got to buy drinks and all this. I was like, and I'm thinking, oh my God. And he kept calling me a fat bitch and all that down there. So I even went down from the stairs and I said, look, I'm sorry if there's any miscommunication i was like i just realized that i didn't give them the spiel that i give everybody else that comes in that door and i came and gave them the same thing there was nothing else other than that and he still kept going off on me and then i would have thought i should have went to curtis then like right away uh but i didn't and reuben let that guy go up and do his set that's that's really upsetting it's really upsetting Yeah, but curtis after the fact you know i told him what was going on and it really had me upset. I was like crying and everything. And that was actually the first and only like really touching moment I've had with Bobby Lee. Oh, bless him. What did he say to you? He came with, he was like, look, don't pay them any mind. He's like, you know how much money I just made a deal for? It was like a million dollars. Like you're, you're going to be more than this. So don't fucking let it get to you. Bless his heart. I've always liked him. And that's really nice. And he, I bet he didn't do that in front of a bunch of people either. I bet he just did that slyly on the side. Right. That's that's his way. Oh, that's really lovely. Yeah, I, I find it. I've been called outside of my name more times there than I have probably in the entirety of my life. And I was bullied most of my life to give you an idea of how fucking insane that job is. And you just normalize it. It's like you should have yeah. never, ever been not only called outside of your name, but had to have put up with that abuse for at all. But for longer than 10 seconds, they should have been out the fucking right. door. I don't care who you're with. I don't care who you know. 
get the fuck out of here. You don't get to talk to people like that just because you're with so-and-so. And that getting pissed at you for explaining the rules. It's like the customers who get mad at us for enforcing the rules. It's like, bitch, I didn't right. make these fucking rules. I only have a job here because I enforce them. You think I like right. looking at you and arguing every single fucking shift? No, I don't. It's exhausting. But, but well, the, only- even the host, you know, BT Kingsley, he was like, yeah, they were being disruptive. Like you were doing the right thing. And even if even if that weren't the case, like even if the comic on stage could have rolled with it or didn't care, or the audience was into it. It's again, it's exactly your point for checking all the IDs. It's like as soon as people see you make an exception one time, they want to be the exception and they don't care. It doesn't matter who they are in the world or whatever. They're just like, oh, well, an exception okay. was made. The rules don't actually apply. There are no rules. Well, and that comedian shouldn't have been heckling back and, and calling me names to the host. And that was just wrong. Bingo. Period. And once I told Curtis, to be fair, like he banned the guy. Oh, that's and nice. And we got this one Fuquan, whatever your name, Johnson Jones, whatever his fucking name is, Fuquan, fuck you. That's right. So I hope you hear I hope they do too. Fuck them. I hope they hear it. And I can't believe in that situation you weren't like, fuck you, that you went and apologized. Like, ugh, gross. I've done that too. I know. Well, I was so new and I was like, I get it. Am I wrong here? Was I, what what did I do? And that's the other thing is like the rules for us aren't clear because I once got screamed at by she who shall not be named because I was told I had to turn the room over in a certain amount of time, as is my job when you're upstairs. And so I started ushering people out when the show was over and I turned on the lights in the room because the show was over. She tried to get me fired because she was like, the show wasn't over. The show wasn't over. Bubba went and got Richie. Richie had pulled me aside and he was like, if you do it again, you don't have a job here. Like it was a big deal. And I was like, I was new too. And I didn't realize she had free reign to do whatever the fuck she wanted. And it was like, oh, okay. They need to, they need to nip that shit in the bud. I'll tell you that. I agree. I agree. They really do. You know, I was really worried because somebody had, Phone the idea out like oh my god who's going to be the new booker is it going to be yeah she, I thought so too mm-hmm. and I was like it better not be because then I'm never going back to LA because yep. I'm not going to have a chance in hell <laughs> uh, anyway how many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you were on the clock <laughs> you could say none <laughs> well I, I remember whenever I had to first um and I was the new door guy so I was the newest one so like oh somebody threw up in the bathroom you gotta handle this and I was like oh here we go I had to go in the men's room Somebody threw up in the urinal. We, I had gloves, and then I had to take you know those paper little things that we have for food. No, no, no. Scoop no. out. What, <laughs> what she is describing are the chicken tenders baskets and yes. oh my god, Jessica, how did you not quit right then? That's so fucking gross. But that makes me want to get sick. All right, we're skipping past that question. Um, do you <laughs> do you tip? Yeah, I always tip. Even if they're horrible, I usually tip something. How much is your what's your average? Twenty percent. Yeah. Is there if, if they're not great, I might do fifty. Do you ever not tip? Is there something, a situation where you wouldn't? It'd have to be really, really bad, but I usually always tip. It'd have to, it would have to be horrible. Yeah. What's horrible? Like maybe where they screamed at us. I don't know where I was like, I'd have walk out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when yeah. you were a server, did you ever get stiffed? Yeah. Well, I've been getting a dollar for an hour and the coffee is getting stiffed anyway. I would agree. Have you ever been fired from a customer service job? Uh-uh. I've always quit. 
That's it. You seem like that type of person. You're apologizing to people that scream at you. I doubt they could fire you. Okay, give me an example of, or if you can think of, apart from those dick faces that were with the comic, who's the worst customer you've interacted with or an example of someone who would be like the archetype for a terrible customer? Well, when I worked at Winn-Dixie and uh, Goldsboro and Marmac, I had just rung these people up and bagged their groceries and sent them on their way. Then I went out for my break and they made us park way back in the back so the customers could have the front. Mm-hmm. And it was dark back there. So I'm out there and I'm going to have a cigarette. And these customers come up to me and they're like, and they like pull up beside me. And they're like, hey, how do we get to the mall? And I was like, oh, this is weird because the mall is really easy. I was like, you just go down here and take the Berkeley exit. You're there. And they're like, oh, can you write this down? And I was like, huh? I'm like, no, I'm not going to write this really easy. And then he came around and that's when he pulled a gun out. <gasps> yeah, he pulled a gun and he was like, get in the car, get in the car. And I couldn't say anything. Like, I just kind of, I went, I just froze. And all I could do was shake my head no. And finally, he just snatched my purse and they took off. So I guess that's a pretty bad customer. Uh, uh, so Jessica, you've won twice on this podcast. Just want you to know that my God, you've had the most intense answers of anyone we've had on. And we had Punky Johnson on who, uh, beat the fuck out of someone. So, you know, we, it's just, um, you win. You absolutely win. That's a two, you have two gun stories in a very short period of time. God bless America. Here we go. Yeah, that's, you know, this, this is our country. What are we doing? All right. Well, on that note, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you all saved room for dessert. What was the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you're working? I don't really jump out. I know I have been tipped pretty generously before just for being nice. So sometimes it helps in your favor. They're like, oh, hey, this is just this is for you. That was, was at the, I, I assume, at the store. Yeah. Some people throw it around at the store. I have yet to be on the receiving end, but some people, some people flex. It's nice. <laughs> Can you remember the amount of the best tip you've ever gotten? I think it was like hundred bucks. I haven't tipped a hundred bucks. That's nice. Rogan has yeah. a tendency to throw that around too. Do you have an example of the best customer you've ever interacted with? No. I mean, like I said, that the lady coming back, like that was pretty nice. I never would have remembered really her, to be honest with you. Until she came back and messaged me. And I was like, oh, yeah, she had come in by herself that night. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I love that women, they go somewhere. You're not afraid to go by yourself. Like, that's, you're going to go do and enjoy yourself. That's awesome. And she's like making her feel like a badass for going alone. And I, I wouldn't have remembered that unless she had messaged me and reminded me. So it, we should remember the good times more than we do. Well, and I think that people don't realize how, uh, you know, kindness is just so impactful and, and on both sides. So you were kind to her, but then she then reciprocated by acknowledging and seeing you as a fully realized human. I think that's the thing. It's just acknowledgement that it goes just so far and we just don't realize that. Uh, okay. What's the best lesson you personally have learned from working in customer service? That's tough. I, I guess it is. I don't know. I don't know. Skip. Okay. Come back to that. What's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? I would say hold it together, (laughs) try to be kind, but also don't let them run over you. Like if you have to speak up and be like, no, this is not okay or fuck off, whatever. Like don't let it, don't let somebody step all over you just because you're in that position. It's not fair. It's not right. And people in America, especially 
take advantage of customers. I mean, you see all the videos of people at McDonald's. Like, no, yeah, I'd be a little grouchy working at McDonald's too if I had to deal with people like that every day. No shit. Like you're getting a fucking dollar something sandwich and you want me to make all these special whatever's for you and the little thing is off. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. So sorry. And it's, you get what you pay for, right? It's like, if you're going to, no offense to, well, I'm not going to name a chain, but if you're going to like a chain restaurant for a steak versus Morton's, like you're not going to get the same experience. Sorry. You're just not. And that's because you get what you pay for. Exactly. Yeah. My friend in North Carolina, I love her. And I was like, she used to work fast food forever. And I'm like, man, you, you, you seem like you kind of have an attitude all the time when we come to <laughs> ride through and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> Don't do that. Like, <laughs> you know, and then I pick on her because it always seems like she has an attitude because it doesn't feel like she ever reaches. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about when you're like at the drive through and I'm like, it just seems like you just kind of nonchalant, put your hand out like they're supposed to come to you. Ooh. And I know that it's not something that she did consciously or anything. So now like she'll make an effort to whoop <laughs> see that seems nicer <laughs> it's subtle but it matters yeah. <laughs> was there anything else you want people to know just uh, like or something that you you were really glad you now know because you're like oh yeah you know if i worked in any other industry i don't know that i would feel this way about something or be aware of this thing but i'm really glad that i know fill in the blank from having worked in customer service She's making a face right now that you all can't see. She's like, bitch, no, I've already tried to answer this question. I don't have an answer. I'm pushing everybody. I'm pushing. You're really pushing. <laughs> have I learned any lessons? <laughs> I want to take with me from customer service. I'm sure there's been many lessons that I've learned. In an, a nutshell, I think it's gotten me further in life, in general, in work, is being kind. I think you get more... What's that saying? Flies with honey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Even though you might, it might appear as if you're getting ahead faster by being a piece of shit or getting your way more. It's like, no, people remember how you made them feel. They may not remember exactly what you did or said, but they will remember how you made them feel. And it matters. Well, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Where are your movies? And are you on, why you're on tour? But, and then also, can you tell us about Liars Club and the concept and sort of what, what that whole thing is? Well, I'm on everything. Follow me on follow me on TikTok now. I'm trying to do that. Uh, um, everything, though. Instagram, all that. I'm at Jess Wellington two. That's the number two. Um, Let me spell that. J e s s w e l l i n g t o n two. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Keep yes. going. So please follow me there on everything. Uh, then the, yes, the Liars Club. It's uh, the Liars Club with Jessica Wellington and Felicia Michaels. We take. Two comics, they come on, they both tell two stories. One's true, one is a lie. And then we interrogate them and, and try to figure out and guess which one is the lie. It's kind of like a little game. So and it's fun. That's awesome. Do you guys win? Have you, are you, what's your batting average? Like, do you guys like usually get it we, right? We try to keep stats and we always end up losing them or like <laughs> forgetting or whatever. But it just depends. Like, I feel like I do pretty good at times, but then I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not. Cause I, we both have different strategies. I kind of go on a feeling or it might be something just obscure. It's like, Oh no, you said you were here. Oh, thanks. So. You know? Yeah. You it's trap. fun though. Some people are really good liars. You find out that comedians 
pretty damn good at lying. Yeah, it's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And when do you guys re- drop new episodes? Like every two, we're just getting back at it. So we actually haven't dropped anything since the hiatus, but we are live right now every Tuesday on Facebook and you can come join the Zoom if you're cool. And we will be dropping it probably like every Tuesday back again on Podbean and all that. And then where can people find, um, is Clint Eastwood's The Mule, is that out on any platforms? Last I saw it was on HBO. I don't know if it still is. Okay. It was on the HBO On Demand. That's all. I, I don't know where else you would find it as of now, maybe DVD or whatnot but every time you watch it i get paid so find a way so watch the damn movie i'm gonna watch it tonight <laughs> again um and how was it working with clint eastwood was he just a delight i hear that over and over he was really nice you know they thought i was a hoot just because i mean i was just talking to him i found out that he used to hang out at the comic store back in the day i didn't know that so i was talking about that yeah i was like hey i work there and all of that and then he the scene when he was at a farm stand or whatever on the end on the road and he had this little thing of cherries so in the middle of, in a break, uh, we're just talking. And then I just took one of his cherries and ate it. And everybody on, on set was like, she ate one of Clint's cherries. We can't believe it. Oh, my God. <laughs> People are- you know, and he, it was fine. Like, I just wanted one of the cherries. And it looked good. So I ate one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You're, you're always yourself, which I really appreciate. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to support our Patreon, it is patreon.com forward slash the Kate Gaffney. New content, weird shit. Go join us over there. Thanks to our current patrons. Remember, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks, Jessica. This was lovely. That's going to be it, folks. Good night. (laughs) 